we may have another guest. The actual individual that sucked the blood out of my brain. Oh, Dr. Boyd Richards, hey. are you on? Wow. I am. I am. Uh, good to see all of you. I apologize. I'm standing outside. Uh, I, I happened to be at a trip to Nashville to see my mom uh, for her <laughs> birthday. So I thought I'd join for a few minutes. And I just want to thank you for, for hosting this on behalf of Ascension Providence. You know, we really appreciate all you're doing to to help us improve um, our our program and, and make further improvements to our stroke center. Well, I really appreciate the brain surgery, doctor. So thank you. <laughs> thank you for saving our friend. Yeah. I, I say I, it's just a little plumbing. I'm a plumber for the brain. I only met months after he did this because I was asleep on a table for him. Mm. But that's right. That's he really saved cool. my brain. So really thank you, doctor. Thank you and and does anybody have any questions for him? Because he is here to answer them. And that includes you, Chad, if you have any questions. Dr. Richards, why did you? So this is a weird one. Well, it's not weird. Probably get it all the time. <laughs> Uh, field of practice. How'd you choose it? Why'd you choose it? Oh, that's a great question. It, it was a really, it's been been 20 years now uh, since I made that choice, which I'm, I'm thrilled with. But, you know, when I was really thinking about what to go into, I, I loved the procedural aspect of medicine. So I, I was really interested in the surgical subspecialties. And most people told me, oh, don't, don't be a surgeon. You, you're a people person. You like people. Don't, don't go into that. And, and I, and I, I tried not to, to be perfectly honest with you. But it's just really every time, you know, in medical school, you spend your third year doing different rotations or, or, or spending time in different specialties. And I always came back to, to a surgical subspecialty. Um, and then, uh, you know, when I, when I landed for a few weeks into the neurosurgery department, I just really fell in love with it. I really love the, the, the variety of people I get to take care of. Um, you know, I get to do stroke care as you all know, but I also do a lot of spine surgery. I do brain tumors. I get to take care of young people, old people. It's a real variety. And, and I just, I, I think we're very fortunate in the field of neurosurgery. We can have really big impacts on people's lives uh, in a short amount of time. And, and that, that really drew me to becoming a neurosurgeon. Um, and I've been, you know, you, you hear physicians uh, that dis get disgruntled, but I have been so happy with the field I chose and feel so lucky that I, that I found it, you know, because it's, uh, you know, that's, it's, it's, it's really uh, fortunate that I've, I found a field that I absolutely love. How long have you been a brain surgeon? Well, I finished medical school in 2004. And, and, and for those of you who don't know, the path is, you know, it's four years of medical school after undergrad. And then you go into a residency. Um, so in 2004, I started my residency, which was six years, so that's six additional years of training of neurosurgery. And then I did an additional year in vascular neurosurgery, which is why I, I take care of stroke patients. So an additional year of that. So um, it's, it's I, I guess I started my training about 20 years ago. I've been out in practice since 2011, uh, which is hard to believe. It feels like yesterday, but it's been 12 <laughs> years now that I've been in practice. I like this question. Why didn't you make Rick Scar more like a lightning bolt? <laughs> well, I'll tell you, Rick. I mean, I, <laughs> given the fact you've already uh, shared with him, you know, you know, the procedure that he that he had is, um, you know, typically we try to put incisions behind the hairline in, in most neurosurgical procedures. Um, but in in his particular case, uh, we were placing a catheter inside the area that had bled and. After you have bleeding in the brain or anywhere for that matter, it turns into like a jello-like consistency, you know. Um, so it's not something that's like very liquefied. So you can't just easily drain it, you might say, in the acute phase, meaning in the first week or so after 
So in his case, we put a catheter into that and then injected some medications to try to break up that and turn that jello-like substance into fluid that it would drain out of his head. And, and because of the trajectory, we had to put it on his forehead, which is not very common. Typically, we try to put those incisions behind his hairline, but I, I told him it's, he's going to have a story to tell for the rest of his life because of it, I guess. <laughs> and, and in his case, a positive one. <laughs> yeah. Travis, are you doing okay? Oh, yeah. I hate hearing about this. Uh, I couldn't do it. I'm the same. I could not do it. So big respect yeah. to you, doctor, because that's incredible. And uh, thank you for everything you do for everyone, Rick, and all the others that you've helped over your career. That's incredible, really. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, I have a great team. Uh, I, I certainly could not do it alone. I mean, the nursing staff, the, uh, down to the, the scrub techs, down to the people that help us keep the operating rooms clean. Um, I have a huge, and it's not my team, but we have a huge team and, and kudos to them because, um, you know, I'm just one part of that team and, and we couldn't do it without the entire team. And that's for sure. My Ascension team was so fantastic. It's one of the things I said in this series was waking up and not knowing what the heck is going on and feeling like you have this army of people that are dedicated to trying to make yeah. you feel better is just such a great thing. Yeah. Well, that's, that's certainly good to hear. Um, and I have uh, I passed the link on uh, to a lot of our, our nurses and our residents and our, our nurse practitioners because, um, you know, it is a, a team approach. I mean, I am a very small part of that. I, I'd say, especially your aftercare, our, our team did way more of the aftercare than I did. Right. The I don't think we actually met you. until my follow up. I think you well, we met. You just don't remember it. Yes, I, <laughs> I, I should take from my perspective. Yes. I, I spent <laughs> a lot of time with your family. Definitely. I'm sorry about that. But, no, they were great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like this one. For me, a magnificent question for the doctor. Was Rick's brain actually bigger than everyone else on this live stream? <laughs> I do not I did not calculate the exact volume of his brain. Is that, a, is that a politically correct answer? <laughs> I think so. That's fair. That's fair. I think I jokingly said to my wife that it was kind Perhaps of her to not have you guys try to excise things she didn't like about me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what I would have asked. I was like, can you make some changes while you're in there? That'd be great. Fine tune the combative and argumentative side of this brain. Uh, yeah, I, I did not touch that part. I can't take credit. <laughs> oh, this is a good one too. What's one thing you wish more people knew about brain health? Let me think about that. You know, so much of it, and, and when we talk about brain health, it, admittedly, I am, you know, you might, this might surprise people, but you know, probably I'm not the expert between neuropsychologists or, and neurologists and, you know, they, they probably know a lot more brain health than I do. You know, I'm a, I'm a surgeon, you know, I take things out that are bad. I usually don't see people until they've got a problem. You know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not in the, and I think it's very important. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm just not the, the one that does the preventative healthcare in, in that regard. You know, unfortunately as a surgeon, I'm usually not on the preventative side. Thank goodness. We have a lot of great, great physicians that are, um, but, and so that's, I, I guess that's a little bit why that, that makes things hard to, to answer. I would say the one thing that, that still, and, and, you know, thankfully this has gotten to be less and less, we see fewer and fewer smokers, but, um, I often am, am counseling my patients about the, the effects of smoking still. And, and they, you know, everybody knows smoking hurts your heart and lungs, but smoking affects your brain in um, dramatic ways, greatly affects the vessels in your brain. Uh, it, it really uh, changes so much about your about your brain health. That that'd be one thing from a surgical standpoint that we really see a lot about the healing after brain surgery and about what causes um, you know a lot of the uh, you know the bad vascular diseases in the brain. 
Um, so that's one thing. Um, but but again, I'm not on the preventative side of, of, of the neuroscience community. Um, that's that's more the the neurologist, I would say. Yeah, you don't necessarily want to meet Dr. Boyd Richards, but yeah, you don't. <laughs> I, I I use that line in my clinic every day. No one wants to have a neurosurgeon. So what's your go-to line, given that it's not brain surgery? It's not, not an option. <laughs> I don't know. That's a, that's a good point. Well, uh, we our, our line is that, uh, well, we, doing brain and spine, we, we uh, uh, I, I guess I would say that, um, I guess I just have to go to the rocket science thing. And, and certainly rocket scientists are way smarter than I am, that's for sure. But uh, I, I just try to avoid that line altogether. <laughs> Because too often it is brain surgery in my world. <laughs> You're like it's not. Oh wait, yeah, it is. It's not rocket science. <laughs> it's actual it's brain that. surgery. Is rocket science more more difficult? I don't know. I would think so. My goodness, I, I can't. Uh, I, I can't. At least for me, it would be. So, doctor, obviously, with my full consent on this, is one thing I often had to say as part of this whole process to my medical professionals because they're super careful about it, and for good reason. Uh, was there anything unusual about my circumstances, or how did I look when you first? got a chance to check what was happening with me. Was there anything yeah. strange? Yeah, I mean, well, I, I, I don't know about strange necessarily, sure, but I, I, can, I can, if it's all right with you, I'll kind of explain our thought processes about your Absolutely. case. Um, you know, when you came in, when we look at strokes in general, you know, if you have the big umbrella of strokes, for instance, I always say there's two types of strokes, one where the pipes get clogged and one where the pipes are leaking. I, I use my plumber reference probably too much. Um, and so the, the more common strokes that we think of people having is when the arteries are blocked or they're clogged. And so no blood is getting to the brain tissue. So the brain tissue dies because it doesn't have oxygen. That is not the type of stroke that you had. You know, that is the more common type of stroke. About 80, 80 to 85 percent of strokes are where the pipes are clogged. In your case, the pipes were leaking. When we have leaking pipes, um, there's several different reasons. One of the things we like to rule out is an aneurysm or a vascular malformation. Um, we've all heard of those more frequently, um, you know, ruptured aneurysm. That is also not what you had. So in your case, you know, you had leaking of the vessels within the brain tissue itself. Um, the, you know, ultimately, we, don't, we know there are some things that can cause that. We, we don't always know what causes it in, in each case. But then you have a, 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 you know, I used the Jello reference before. You've got, you know, in your case, you had, I can't remember the exact amount, but you know, 30 to 40 cc's of Jello in your brain that was causing pressure on the brain. And what we f often find is, you know, the first day you look okay, but then the second day, a lot of times patients will have swelling around that area, just like if you bruise your ankle, for instance. You know, the first day it doesn't look bad, the second day it's swollen and it's black and blue. Same thing happens in the brain. So, you know, that, you know, after we watched you a bit and there was some swelling there, you were very weak. I thought, well, if we can get some of that pressure off of the brain and take that clot, for instance, from I'm making up numbers here, but uh, approximately 30 cc's to approximately 10 cc's, you know, the brain's in a fixed volume. It's in the skull. So there's not space for extra things. You've got brain tissue, you've got spinal fluid, you've got blood vessels, but there's no space for an extra 30 cc's of fluid. Um, you know, so... Uh, our, our goal in your case, which is not something we do as frequently as we do for, for, for most strokes, was to put a, a catheter in there and, like I said, make that jello into liquid so it would come out of a little, a little, um, a little tube that we left in there or a little drain. So that was what, one thing that was unique about your case. You know, a, a lot of times we have to do a big, big, huge scar to take out the clot. Sometimes, um, you know, we have to leave the skull off to allow for brain swelling. 
but I was really pleased in your case that we got away with, you know, doing a very minimally invasive procedure and, and by using the thrombolytics, we were able to get that, that jello out, you might say, and turn that back into liquid. So it would drain out through a, through a very small incision, through a very small <laughs> catheter. I'm not I'm laughing at you, doctor. I'm laughing at I'm laughing at Travis's reaction to this. <laughs> Same. <laughs> I just I'm feeling like tingly, like the fact that Ian okay. brought out demonstration. <laughs> so Chad is asking you uh, for indicators <laughs> of where uh, where the issue was. See, this oh is why we need people like Dr. Boyd Richards is because Travis can't do this for you. No. Well, I thought by keeping it, we're comparing it to like Jello, it wouldn't be thinking, you know, it wouldn't be so gross. I'm sorry. I think that makes it worse. Oh, sorry. 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 <laughs> no, I'm very pleased as well, and my scar really isn't very noticeable. So. Yeah, and I think when you were in the clinic, you had your hair brushed down a little bit, so I couldn't see it too much at all. So that was. You may be forced to have a new hairstyle. <laughs> I think it looks hey, most Hope. dramatic on my thumbnails we'll right now. Emo Rick. I was taken immediately after the surgery. E emo Rick. That's a picture right there. Emo Rick. You guys, professionals like lawyers um, and doctors, we can have fun and be goofy too. It's a Absolutely. Real Absolutely. You know, I, uh, you know, we, we, uh, I always say we know when to have fun. We know when to be serious. Um, and, and, and certainly not only inside work, but outside of work. And, and I think that's an important, you've got to do that or you can't keep, you know, you, I certainly couldn't keep doing what I do with that if I didn't enjoy it and, and get to have a little bit of fun at work and on the side. I think after our follow-up doctor, I said, you were very chill. <laughs> oh, good, good. Yeah. You, 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 you don't want a nervous neurosurgeon, I don't think. I have one question. What's the longest surgery you've ever done? Like number of hours? Oh, oh goodness. Um, probably about, I think the longest one that I've done uh, was about 17 hours. 17? That's the longest that one. What? One seven? Yes. That's longer seven. than my longest live stream. Very, <laughs> very, very rare. Very, very rare. Um, and, and I want to be clear about that. You know, we, we often have help in, you know, in, in my, in the case of that, there was definitely other surgeons involved. You know, it was, um, you know, there was an ear surgeon involved, there was a plastic surgeon involved, there was a neurosurgeon involved. So, you know, we are each doing different parts of the surgery. So it's not like people often, oh, how do you go to the bathroom? You know, we take breaks to go to the bathroom and, and to eat and to drink. And, you know, you can't do anything for 17 hours. And so there's, there's other people involved, but I, and I also want to be, be clear that that is not the average, you know, the average surgery uh, of mine would be between one and three hours. But, um, sometimes, you know, if how you have, Rick's? Uh, Oh goodness, not that long, maybe an hour. I don't remember. Probably about okay. an hour. I usually do those in, in, in an hour or so, you know, so, so those long surgeries are definitely not the norm. Um, uh, you know, I, I, yeah. I like to do shorter surgeries for sure, but that's the longest one I've been involved in. What was the adrenaline dump? Cause I talk about this in the concept of litigation. Like you, you run on adrenaline and it's amazing. You're just, I imagine it's gotta be something similar where your hyper-focus is kicked in. The adrenaline is fueling you. But then once that's done, and once you're out of there, there's got to be a massive adrenaline offload, like where you just go into zombie. Yeah, mode. yeah, I, I guess so. You know, um, I, you know, I, I say all the time, you know, I take a lot of call. And so um, Rick's case, I think we did during the day, but there are a lot of cases that I have to do in the middle of the night. And I know I, you know, I wake up at 2 a.m. and think I am so exhausted. I don't think I can drive into the hospital, you know, 
but something about making that mental change i put on my scrubs walk to my car and i am wide awake you know and 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 during a surgery i i can never remember being sleepy during a surgery no matter how little sleep i've had it's just you know you have that adrenaline and you just you don't feel sleepy when you're doing a surgery um and so and certainly you know you know once it's over you do have that you know um I'm, I've been very sleepy after surgeries many times, but uh, it is, it's a, it's an adrenaline jump, but it's also, you know, it's, um, it's, it's, um, I don't mean it like we don't take every single ser- uh, surgery serious, but it's something I do every single day. Um, and so that doesn't mean I, 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 I think casually about my surgeries by any, by any stretch of the imagination, but it's, it's something that I feel comfortable with. And it's just, it's, it's the same as, an attorney doing a deposition, you know, you know, you do it every day. You know, if you, if you told me I had to ask someone questions for an hour, I'd be mortified, you know. Um, and so it's 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 uh, something that I do every day. So you just kind of get used to it. I discussed this like in the concept of litigation and what you said about putting the scrubs on. It's kind of the same thing. I feel like when I put a tie on and start walking into court, once I'm walking right. in the court, yeah. I've never been tired in trial. And I tell people this all the time. And I imagine it's got to be somewhat similar. If you don't have a little bit of butterflies, before you walk into a trial and before you start doing it, even though it's routine, you're not in the right profession because you Absolutely, recognize yeah. the importance of what you're doing. That's really cool, Doc. Absolutely. I, I would say it's very similar. You know, you just, you turn on that focus button and, and you block everything out. Um, you know, I, people often say, what kind of music do you play in the OR? And I'm like, I have no clue because I block every, <laughs> you know, once I'm in there and operating, at, you know, it's, you know, it, it's just everything else is blocked out, you know, and it, it, you just turn on that switch. And I'm sure it's the same in, in you know, an actor or, a, you know, a lot of different professions, you know, where you when you go into that focus mode, um, it's just all you think about. So there's a question up here. What's the most interesting or obscure fact that you can disclose about the brain? <laughs> Goodness. Uh, the chat's going to make you work, Doc. Uh, they are, yeah. Well, I mean, there's so many... Uh, obscure things that most people would not be interested in you know about the the neuroanatomy pathways are just fascinating you know the way our brains are, built are, are fascinating <laughs> i i would say the biggest fact is you know or uh, i don't know if it's obscure but you know we can um people are often shocked when we I, I say you know we can take out huge chunks of the brain and people have no deficits that's I, i'd say that's still that so the most amazing thing to me um you know we can uh, take out an entire, especially let, let's say the frontal lobe, um, which houses a lot of your personality. If we just take one of the frontal lobes, most people have no change in personality and we don't understand why, you know, we take both frontal lobes wow. and you have a big change I mean, in, your frontal, in your personality. So I would say that's, that to me is the most interesting thing. Um, and, and I would say the other thing is that there's so much about it. We still do not understand. There are so many things we still do not understand. Um, and that's what I think is, is, um, you know, really the most fascinating thing that, that still stumps me every single day. I think how in the world can, or, you know, I'll have someone come in with a six centimeter tumor. I'm like, how in the world are they functioning? And, and they're totally normal. How in the world? Um, and so that's, that's pretty amazing in my, in my mind. Our, our brains are, are really a, a mystery still, I think. If you're in rehab for any length of time, you'll hear a lot about plasticity. So I get talked to you about that a lot, the brain and helping yeah. itself over time. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's amazing. You know, um, I am, am very, you know, as the surgeon, I'm lucky that I get people like Rick coming back to see me in the clinic. 
you know, there are so many nurses that, uh, you know, I think about our IC nurses, I always encourage people, go, please go, go, go talk to the IC nurses because they never get that follow up. You know, they, they see patients when they're at their worst. And, you know, uh, um, I'd say one of the things that makes our nurses the happiest is when they see an, an older patient or a former patient, I should say, that comes back and they're doing so well because, you know, they don't get that follow up. But I do get to see that follow up. And that's, you know, I, I know just how much how important the rehab component of it is. And so much of it is, you know, is, is what kind of attitude you go into it with and how hard you work. Rick has been an, an, a perfect example of that, you know, because that really translates into how much of a recovery you can have after after any brain surgery, but especially one like he had. Is the recovery that we're seeing in so and Rick, I'm going to pump you up a little bit here because I'm shocked that you are on a live stream four and a half, four months and a little more than from when you had your stroke. And honestly, <laughs> it's freaking it's been amazing to watch the progress. Yeah. Is his recovery unique or is it kind of track with things that you see? I, oh, I, well, I, I mean, you know, obviously he's done phenomenally well. I, I never even uh, even though I'm an optimist and I'm a glass half full kind of person, uh, I think he's gotten his left side's gotten so much stronger, so much faster than I would have anticipated. You know, so so certainly he's ahead of the game. There's that thumbs up. He was sick of us asking about him every day in the ICU. Um, uh, you know, a, a lot of that, you know, I think that, um, you know, obviously the rehab's a huge part of that and how much effort you put in is a huge part of that. Um, all those things, you know, you know, are, are because of his hard work and the hard work of the staff, uh, for sure. That, that, that makes a huge difference. Well, I certainly try. Yeah, I, I, I'm very thankful. You all are so kind about this. All the therapists were kind. I, I tried to give them opportunity at the end of their interviews to say, oh, no. He's a he's a goofball that, that jokes all the time. <laughs> they were also very nice to me, but I really do joke a lot. It was one of the things that I tried to do in rehab is it's a really weird environment. You're living in a hospital. People are constantly taking fluids out of your body and you're trying to rest. And then you, they ask you, how, how was your sleep last night? It's like, well, not great, honestly. It's not awesome. Yeah, it's a bad but, place uh, to sleep. Hospitals are not a good place to sleep. They really aren't. Uh, but like yeah so you have the choice of kind of being like well this really sucks which it does at a certain level or let's let's just try to engage with this in a really weird way which is what brings me to my last question doctor which is is scrubs a great sitcom or the best sitcom? <laughs> i will tell you you know what I, I, I people are sometimes shocked uh, i think it's i and i can't say i've watched a lot of medical shows you know I, I watched a couple episodes of Grey's Anatomy and they were holding the instruments upside down and I was like, I just can't take this. The instruments are being <laughs> held wrong. You know, and then one and one day they put a CAT scan up and they put it up upside down and they were pointing to the wrong structures. I was like, I can't watch this. Uh, Scrubs <laughs> is probably one of the most realistic of what goes through our heads. And that's the honest truth. Wow. Uh, um, it is very... Uh, and it's been a long time since I've watched the episode of Scrubs, but... Uh, it, I felt like it was one of the more spot-on medical shows that I've seen. And granted, like I said, I don't tend to watch a, med a lot of medical shows. I, I live it every day. Um, and I love it, but I don't need to watch it on TV. Uh, and I, but I would say Scrubs is, is I, it's, it's surprisingly accurate of some of the thought processes that we have uh, living in medicine every day. I've loved That's Scrubs cool. for a long time, so that's nice to hear. Yeah. <laughs> 
Am I right <laughs> in thinking that you're uh, specifically a part of the neurosurgical residency program at Ascension because yes. that's where these donations are targeted? Yes, that's exactly so right. I'll, I'll touch base on that a little bit. I am the associate program director for our, our residency. The residency is the Michigan State University residency, but it's based at Providence Hospital for Neurosurgery. Uh, we have 14 residents, so uh, at this point, the neurosurgery residency has been extended a year since I was in residency, because six years wasn't long enough, so now it's seven years. So we have 14 residents, uh, some of the most bright, uh, young, future uh, neurosurgeons you can imagine. They, they challenge me every day, um, and, and it's a great group of residents. We have, like I said, we have 14 residents, uh, so we take two residents per year, um, and they go through seven years of training. Um, and they work, you know, at, at, at both campuses for Ascension Providence. And, and um, the, the, the money that, that we're raising, you know, goes toward, uh, will go into the neuroscience um, fund. But basically, you know, it, we do a lot of clinical research, um, both uh, in stroke, in brain tumors, and in spine surgery. Um, so all that clinical research is, is really great. Um, for our residents and, and for the, the greater community, you might say, of, of, the, uh, of neuroscience. You know, that's how we push the button. That's how we develop new techniques. And, and, and we're certainly on the forefront of that. The other thing that, that, that some of, um, you know, often our, our foundation earmark money goes for is, is new equipment. Um, for instance, Rick, in your surgery, we use something called stealth stereotactic navigation, which is like, um, we take the CAT scan, put it into a virtual reality machine, as I call it. It's, it's really not that. You know, you, other people would know the science behind this way better. And then we use a tracer on your skin in the operating room. That then correlates to the CAT scan. So that's how I knew exactly where to put that tiny catheter. You know, it's done under a 3D-guided um, computer system that costs, I don't know how much it costs, but it's not cheap, that's for sure. Um, you know, the operating room microscopes we use, for instance, are, are usually half a million dollars. Um, you know, and so, you know, there's just a lot of equipment expenses to, to run a, uh, especially a, a large neurosurgery program in a comprehensive stroke center. So, you know, every little bit helps. So we, we, we I can't thank you enough for hosting this and to all the people that are donating. I, I promise you, it, it, we will reinvest that money. Uh, so that we can continue to take great care of patients in the future, not just at Providence, but, but push the envelope and, and, and do more research so that we can share our techniques that have been successful with, with other neurosurgeons across the country. All right, and thank you so much for that, Doctor. It sounds fantastic, and that's what we're talking about here when we talk about these fundraisers. So <clears throat> I really appreciate it. I also have to listen to my wife, who you definitely got to meet more than me in the day, Ask about the doc's teaching role. So you have a teaching role? Oh, yeah. Residency, doc? yeah. So, so within the residency, you know, um, like I said, we have the 14 residents. So as a, um, you know, in a clinical role, like in the surgical aspect, you know, I have, I have residents with me in every surgery. There were residents with me in your surgery um, that, that helped me out, that I'm teaching the training to do things, depending on their year and ability, you know, they get, they do portions of the, um, uh, portions of the of the procedures, of course, with me standing there watching them um, at all times. I watch them like a hawk. But uh, you know that's how they learn. That's how they become you know practicing neurosurgeons. And you know by the end of their seventh year, I, I tell you that I would let any of our graduating residents operate on me in a heartbeat. They're just so talented and and, and so smart. So we teach them. We also have the medical students from Michigan State that rotate through us. Um, we do 
labs, anatomy labs for the students and, and for the residents. We have um, didactic lectures every Wednesday for three hours that, that I participate in and all of our faculty do. Um, and so it's, um, it's really a, a, a robust system and maintaining a neurosurgery residency is not easy. It is a lot of work, rightfully so. You know, we don't want residents graduating from programs that aren't ready. And so it, it's a lot of work to maintain all the requirements that uh, um, graduate medical education society here in America requires, which, which again is a good thing that, that, it's, that it's so heavily um, regulated because we want the quality of neurosurgeons to be assured, uh, you know, when they graduate. So it's a big part of what we do. It's, it's, it's what drew me, you know, as you can probably tell from my accent, I am from Tennessee, hence I'm in Tennessee today. Uh, I'm not from Michigan, but what, what made me really want to stay in Michigan now that I've been there for 20 years, I consider myself a Michigander, was, was this role in being able to teach the residents. You know, it's, it's, um, it, it's really uh, an amazing experience, and I'm so lucky to see those residents, uh, uh, you know, develop in, into a, a medical student, and then seven years later, knowing that they, would, they could operate on me and I would trust them, it's just a, it, it's really quite amazing. So it, it's one of my the favorite parts of what I do, for sure. Well, I am so, so thankful for it. So... I really can't express it enough. I appreciate it, Doctor. Absolutely. Well, that we we love what we do, and 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 we really appreciate all you've done to to help spread the word about us. I'm trying, doing what we I can. We appreciate it. We appreciate it. Thanks Anyone again else? for having me. Are there any other yeah. questions? I'm happy to. I've got a couple more minutes. I'm I'm being summoned to my mother's 75th birthday lunch. <laughs> oh, congrats! Oh. That's awesome. Yeah. Congratulations. That is awesome. I did have one other question that was posed. I had it coming up, sure. but I, I lost it, which was, are you on the internet? Are you on social media anywhere if people wanted to follow you? No, I'm really not, actually. <laughs> Good. Good for you, Doc. <laughs> I it that, way. that way. It's the right call. I probably have an account out there that I've never posted anything on, so I'm really not. But I, I, uh, I'm sorry about that. I, I think I'm just – I will tell you, we do have a neurosurgery account, though, MSU Neurosurgery. Um, on okay. Instagram and I think it's on Twitter and Facebook, all the, all three of those. So if you follow MSU Neurosurgery, it'll be the closest thing to my to my per, to to anything uh, on social media about me or, or about our program. So I encourage you to follow that. We do we do post things when we you know when our residents present at meetings and we win awards and um, I'm so proud of them for that. You know all that kind of stuff is posted. Sure, fantastic. And folks, if you had any doubts about how I feel about these people, you can tell we've got a Michigan State connection with Ascension. We've already talked to Hallie, who's an Ohio State Buckeye at Chelsea. None of these things are keeping me from telling you how awesome these people are. So <laughs> thanks so much. Well, thanks so much. Well, thanks again for having me. Uh, you know, I really appreciate all you're thanks doing. And congrats on, on your recovery. Uh, uh, you know, you kudos to you and and all the other staff I, I my part was only about an hour long so you've you've done all the hard work that's for sure it was a I very like important, part important hour yeah <laughs> it was a big hour <laughs> yeah <laughs> well thank you doctor we will not keep you from uh, your birthday well thanks party. again for all you're doing you'll have a you'll have a good afternoon okay thanks doc thanks Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.